Good morning again. So today we're going to talk about what is our purpose. So we're a church, okay? We, we figured that out because we're a body of people that believe that uh, Christ is our Savior and that, that through Him uh, we become a family. We are a local church that belongs to a big universal church. And so what is our purpose? What is our purpose? Well, if you've read our constitution, on page two, it tells you what our purpose is. We use Second uh, Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our, our, our scripture verse for our purpose. See, our mission is to reach unchurched people with a life-changing message. And, and, and God doesn't need to use us, but he chooses to use us. So he brings a bunch of believers together. He forms a local church. That's a group of believers. And puts them to work. That means every part needs to move. Every part needs to be active. We've talked about that. In the last few weeks. That, that a church means all of us have got to work. Because if one part stops working, something else might stop working. My dad's got a fixed hip. That makes it really difficult for what he just went through. Okay, Because his hip doesn't move, his knee doesn't bend. So... And, 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 and Paul describes us to a, a body. We're all bits of the pieces. And, and we all need to move together. So when you became a member of this church, and we're going to have a membership meeting after this church, and, and hopefully more people are going to join the church, and, and I'm excited and They need to be able to feel like they can be a part of this church and, and feel like they can be active in the church. So, the five purposes are worship, fellowship, discipleship, missions, and evangelism. That's the five purposes of this church. John 4, 23 through 24 says this, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. See, we worship in spirit and truth. And we go, what does that mean? Well, for one, the truth part's pretty easy. We worship with what the Bible, how the Bible tells us how to worship. How we, we use the Bible as our example. Okay? And we go, what is worship? Because you can ask that question to a lot of different people and a lot of people will give you a different answer. People will say what Andrew and the worship te- team did was worship. Okay? There's people that would say that that was the worship of the church. And I disagree. I think that's part worship. That is part of the worship. When we served communion, that is also worship. When we gave, that is worship. When we were greeting each other, That is supposed to be worship. When we pray, that is worship. When we read God's word, that is worship. That is the truth. What I'm doing now is supposed to be worship. There isn't a part of what happens on a Sunday. And if it isn't worship, it's been done for the wrong reason. We were created to worship. Every one of us. Every one of us. When I first became a Christian, it was really, really hard. And this is really personal for my wife. So I'm just... And she knows this, and she knows I'd share this. So it was really hard for her because everybody worships. Everybody worships. Guess what I worshipped? My wife. My wife was my God. She was up here. How hard do you think it was for her when her husband got found by Jesus and then... Jesus is here, because I'm telling you, and Shelly will tell you this, it was pretty quick for me meeting Jesus to taking Shelly and throwing her off the throne and putting God there. And that's where God should be, by the way. He should be here. Because, by the way, if he's here, I'm going to look after her here. But how hard do you think it was? We were together for 11 years. No, 10 years. No, 12 years. Let me get this right. I've got to go in my head where, the, where it's 12 years. We were together for 12 years. We were together for 12 years. She was my God for 12 years. And basically, overnight, I threw off the throne and put God there, which is the right place for God. But when you have been idolized, It's hard for the person that you idolize. That's how I know everybody's a worshiper. Because you can can worship. The problem with, with, with we worship the creation instead of the creator. Now, 
I thank God that he created Shelly to look like Shelly and to be attracted to me. That, I thank God for that every single day. He was the amazing God that he would give her bad vision. But, and a sense of humor. And, and, and I thank God that he would put her in my life. But when I stopped thinking that it was God that put her in my life, I, I, I start worshiping the object that he created instead of him for creating her. And you could, this is the problem. A lot of us have grandchildren. And it is really, really easy to want to worship your grandchildren. It is really easy. Like, it's like your children, I'm not worshiping my children, but my grandchildren, my grandchildren, they take a different spot in, 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 in your life. So it's really tempting to forget where they came from. But it's, as Christians, we need to remember that it's, it, it's imperative that we worship God for everything. And we always focus. So our purpose is to worship the creator, not the creation. You can go anywhere and do this. You could go to the Grand Canyons and you could be awe of the Grand Canyons or you could be awe of the creator of the Grand Canyons. I would much prefer to be the awe of the creator of the Grand Canyons than at awe at the Grand Canyon. It's amazing. By the way, you could do this with... It's amazing. Okay? Uh, you could take people and how talented people can be and go, wow, that's... A, or you could say, hey, God created a real talented person to do that job. And, 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 and remember, it's God who, who we're supposed to be worshiping not the person. We're supposed to worship vertically, not horizontally. And we have a problem. We have a problem because we tend to worship vertically most of the time. Because we, we go, well, that person got a new car. I really like that new car. I need to get a new car. Well, what do you need a new car to glorify God, or do you need a new car to make you feel better? Because if it's to make you feel better, then you're worshiping that. And I'll tell you this. Every sin you ever do is because you're worshiping something else. Every sin that you could name is you've chose. This is what you said. God, you're not enough. You're not enough. This will make me happy. This will make me happy. Hey, maybe if I try this, maybe if I do this drink, this drug, this sex, this whatever, you name it, you put it in, the, in, that, in that pocket and you say, this will make me happy. Anytime you say something that is made is going to make you happy. If I say, wow, if I had money in the bank, that would make me happy. Guess what my God is? Money. We all fall short here. Not one of us doesn't fall short in this area. Where we, we slip into the world thinking that the world will make us happy. And it's never going to make you happy. You're always going to be searching for something else. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
I can put Shelly on the throne and she's my God. Do you think she's going to make me happy every single day of my life? Do you think she's going to disappoint me? Exactly. Now, I know for a fact, if Shelly puts me in that spot, I am going to disappoint her. I know that. I do it on a daily basis, so I'm quite know that. That if, if, if I was her God, I would just... That's the problem is we, we, we especially um, when we get into relationships, if we're single, and we go, well, this person's going to make me happy. I'm happy now. That happiness does not last very long. That's why you could go, hey, you, you, if you talk to anybody that's been married a long time, there's been ups and there's been downs in relationships. And you have to find out what makes it work because here's the problem is, me and Shelly are two different people. Two different people living in the same house. That's a disaster waiting to, to happen with any two human beings. Let alone two people that say they love each other and they've got, they're, they're trying to be intimate and, 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 and you've got to live in the same house and, and you don't agree on a lot of different things. But it wouldn't be if they're not your God, you see. Every woman in here, I will tell you, you young people, listen to this. Do you know who the best man in the world is? You always put Jesus first. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Compare every man you ever date with Jesus. Okay? Really. Because, here's the thing is, make Jesus your number one. And then when somebody doesn't treat you right in your life, you know that you've got a man that loves you and will care for you. So you know to walk away from a relationship that is hurtful and harmful. So we have to worship God and God alone. That is what we're made to do. We are worshipers. That's why it's number one. We're created to worship. And we weren't created to worship because God was lonely. Some people say that. Well, God was lonely, so he created man. No, God had the Trinity. He was not lonely. They actually had a conversation about creating man. Okay? And, and, and he, he could have created angels, and, they don't, they, they, and, and he'd already either created them first or second. I don't know. I'm saying, God wasn't lonely. He didn't need to create anything. He created us out of love. Out of love. And God knew what sort of losers we were going to be when he created us. He knew what was going to happen in the garden when we were created him. That is why, by the way, the tree, the forbidden tree is in the middle of the garden. is because God, God wanted Adam to know. You're mine. You worship me. As soon as he forgot that and ate from that tree, it was doomed for all of us. He worshipped what he couldn't have. So even the first man worshipped what he couldn't have. There was something I can't have. I want that. that this, is, this is why I know all sin it's because we want something. 
because Adam and Eve are in the garden being tempted by the snake. And there's a tree and they've been told not to eat of it. And it looks really, really good. And they thought, I wasn't there, but I'm telling you what they thought because I know what I would have thought if I was there. Wow. I bet you if I eat that fruit, that will make me happy. I got all the best tasting. I can't even imagine what Eden looked like. But it must have been amazing because God created it. It, They probably... Diamonds, pearls, rubies laying around, beautiful green grass, beautiful trees. And you've got all this fruit to pick from. But there's one. Oh, I can't have that. But if I had it, I'm going to be happy. He, he was walking in the garden with God and wasn't happy. And... He ate. The, you eat the fruit every day. So we can't judge Adam for what he did. This is why it's imperative that we learn to worship God and God alone. Put God on the throne and the, the rest will fall into the right place. The rest will fall into the right place. But when the Pharisees heard that that he had silenced the Sadducees, Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Fellowship is doing life together. It's important that as Christians, that we do stuff together. Now, We shouldn't fill our time with so much stuff that we're not out in the world meeting non-Christians and having non-Christian friends. We should have non-Christian friends and we should uh, be out in the world too. But we should also fellowship more than five minutes or seven minute song during the tithe offering. There should be fellowship. And it doesn't have to be all together, but it's part of being a church. That's why that smoker is out there with the grill on it. Because I knew fellowship was important. So me and Shane, I decided, Shelly thought I was crazy when I said I was going to build a smoker. And by the way, she thought it was going to be this big. We went to pick up the tank that is the smoker, just the one tank. And, and the guy comes up and he and, and I've, I've paid him. He's loading up on the trailer. And Shelly is sitting in the truck. And he comes across with his forklift and swings that thing over. And Shelly's eyes about popped out of her head. And then when I got in, she goes, how big is this smoker you're building? I said, you'll see, honey. And, and, but I built it so we could have picnics. 
so we could fellowship. And, and this year, we've, we had our three picnics last year. And you know what else? We, th- th- this is where fellowship happens. This is, this is why fellowship is important, because you get to know people. I consider what we do on Wednesday night, our prayer meeting, fellowship. I mean, this is fellowship. But, but what I've noticed during the prayer meeting, which is really important to me, is that I've got to know things about my congregation that I didn't know. Like, Russ and Kathy name all their kids with a T. Almost. Except Adam. But, but, and, and, and so I get confused when they start all these T names. I think they're all the same kids. I just think they're pronouncing it different every time. But I, they just stuck in the T's. And, uh, but you find out stuff about people. And so you get to know people deep. And that is why fellowship is so important to the family of believers. Is even when we did the garage sale, and that was interesting, by the way. Set up for the garage sale, we got to know people, and 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 it 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 was funny and fun, and 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 it was it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but during that time, we got to fellowship, setting up. You get to fellowship. When we do them things, you get to talk and you get to find out more stuff about each other and you get to know people. Because here's the thing. How am I supposed to know if you're having a good day or bad day if I don't know you? Because when you get to know somebody, you can tell. You can tell that it's not okay. Okay? When there's somebody walks into church and you ask them if they're okay and they tell you they're okay and then you know they're not okay and then they tell you what's wrong because you know they're okay because you've got to know them. You've got to know how they come in. People say to me, they know, they, a lot of people know me so they'll say, I know you're not doing good today. You're a little quiet. If I'm quiet, there's a problem. In the house. So, so that's why we have to fellowship. That's why fellowship is important. Because it builds a stronger unit of people. Stronger. Knowing what to pray for. Knowing how to act. Knowing where, who to care for. I want to get to know people d- more deeply. And the only way we're going to do that is make an actual attempt to do what our, what our purpose is, to fellowship together. So we need to do stuff together. That means maybe we have more than three picnics and a chili cook-off, which we do stuff that's fun, and then we can sit and talk to each other. It gives us more than five-minute song or ten minutes out here because what happens is you probably only see these people on Sunday because you don't make an effort to communicate with them any other time. Now, next week, I'm going to tell you this. Next week, it's going to be announced on Wednesday, the, the actual app. There's an app we've done that has everybody's contact information. But the problem is, I still need some more information because I want to know everybody's birthdays. If you notice in there, there's some birthdays rolling around. And if your birthday's in January and it's not on there, it's because I don't know when your birthday is, okay? So 
So there's some more details. When I took the, the uh, a new update for the directory. Now, I'm going to tell you, the app is the best thing. If you've got a smartphone, I will help anybody. John will help anybody. There's a couple of people in here that can help you. Russ, I think, can help you. Get the app on your phone if you can't do it yourself. Because it gives everybody, you can go in the app, you can find everybody's name, number that's a member of this church and, and has got filled out their information. It's on there. And, and, and if you need a hard copy because you're not into smartphones, I will print them. But I'm only going to print them on request because that's personal information to me. I don't want everybody knowing my email. I mean, most people know my church email anyway. But my personal, one of my personal emails is in my, in my personal stuff. So I would prefer, and I think most of us would prefer, that we keep that in the family. So that information. So if you need a hard copy, you can have a hard copy. And if we get all the birthdays, the hard copy will include all the birthdays and anniversaries because they're in there. That's what I've got. I'm slowly building, filling out the birthdays and anniversaries because I think it's important that we acknowledge the members of our church. So, and that's part of fellowshipping. So we're going to have a directory that's on your phone and you can push it. Not only that, if... if if Janet, I know where Janet lives, but if Janet invited me to her house, I could go on the phone, go Janet Morrison, hit it, press the directions, and it pops up, and it will tell me how to get to Janet's house. Yes. From my phone, so I don't even have to be smart, because my, fo- my phone's smart. So, that is why it's important when I ask you for more information. It, this is the reason I'm asking for birthdays and anniversaries. Because I want to recognize the members of our church's birthdays and anniversaries. I think it's a good thing. So, Matthew twenty-eight sixteen says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. To disciple, and we're all supposed to do this, it's like, it's not a class, by the way. We used to do a class here, and I don't think that was bad. I'm not saying that was bad, but, but thinking about it, I have a hard time calling it disciple class because I actually think disciple is to help others follow Jesus. So it's helping, so, so for a base course, it's good to learn your way around the Bible, and that's what it did. And, and there's other stuff that we, we, we went on to do in the second of when we did discipleship class here. But discipleship really is between each of us. You can disciple me. I can disciple you. We, gr- we help each other to grow. See, it's also discipling is holding each other accountable. And there's some people, when I say this, they don't like it. They don't want to hold anybody accountable. 
They think it, 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 you can do whatever you want and call yourself a Christian. But I will tell you this. Anybody that calls themselves a member of this church is a representation of this church. So how you live outside these walls represents this church. Not just me represents this church. You represent this church. So how you act outside this church matters. So if I see you at Walmart and you, I won't because I don't go there very often, but if I do, if I do, and you are in the checkout line being really nasty to a cashier, guess what I'm going to say the next time I see you? I'm going to say, you know, you shouldn't be like that. You, you profess faith in Christ. You belong to Calvary. You're a representation of the church of Christ. When we leave, we are walking with, as representations of Christ. That's what we are. So that's why we need to disciple each other because we go out in the world and we need to act differently. Not because we can, because it's hard for us. But, but if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit living within you and he should be teaching you not to act a certain way. But I also want, if you see me, and this might happen not very often anymore. But if you see me doing something that I shouldn't do, if you see me talking down to somebody, yelling at somebody, you should question me too. You should talk to me and say, hey, you know, that wasn't appropriate what you did. And that's okay. We're supposed to look after each other. If you allow me to sin, you're not my brother and sister. If you don't hold me accountable, you are not my brother and sister. If I'm living a life of sin, for instance, and I am up here pastoring your church, I should be thrown out of the church. I mean, first I should be approached. First I could see what's going on in my life. Then I should be asked to step down and deal with my sin. I believe all this stuff, by the way. I believe that's what the Bible teaches and that's what discipleship does. It, 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 it helps us grow with one another. To become better. To be better representations for Christ. You see, here's the problem. Every one of you knows you were saved by and grace alone. But the problem is, and we'll get to this on the next point, the last point, sorry, is that we're saved by grace, but we're never told, very rarely, very, very rarely are we told there's a cost to following Jesus. I wasn't told. There's a cost to following Jesus. Most people aren't told there's a cost to following Jesus. But my problem is, is the Bible says he's not just our Savior. He's our Lord. So, what is it going to cost me? 
It's going to cost me laying down my life and my decision-making and allowing him to make the decisions for my life. That's a cost. I don't control my life anymore. I don't make my decisions anymore. God does. That's what you say, by the way, when you say that Jesus saved you. When you say, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, you are saying that he is in control of your life. You are not in control anymore. You don't have a choice anymore. Something else, by the way, before you made that choice was controlling your life, and it wasn't you. So you just switched ownership. But a lot of us don't switch ownership. We think we're in control still, and we only talk to Jesus when our life is so out of control. So out of control, we think, Jesus, you need to get me out of this one. I don't know how I got here. And Jesus is saying, well, I do. You're an idiot, and you didn't listen to me. Because that's how we happen. See, by the way, this is why it's important to point out the little sins in people's lives. Because it's easy to fix a little sin. It's hard to fix a big one. I, I, I like the pastor that spoke at the beginning of the song that we played for communion. I think he's a great pastor. And I think he, he was the first pastor. That, his name's Matt Chandler. And I have probably listened to him since I've been a Christian on and off the whole time I've been a Christian. He is a really, really, really good teacher. And last year, he got taught, caught. It wasn't caught. He, uh, and this is what happened, and this is why it's important to point stuff out, because it could have went somewhere bad. And he was communicating through uh, messaging with a, what, his wife knew about this, by the way, just so you know, his wife knew about this, this is why, but I'm going to tell you how the church did it, and I think this is the right way, the way the church handled this, and this is why we need to handle discipleship. And look after each other is part of discipleship. Is what happened is he he tweeted back and forth. Well, the le- the girlfriend of the woman that he was tweeting with brought it to an elder's attention. An elder went to him, confronted him. The next week, he stepped down, not off staff, but they had him step down while they investigated him. The smartest thing they could do. They, they took his computer from him. They took his cell phone from him and paid a company to go through every single part of his computer and cell phone. And he willingly did this, by the way, to make sure there was nothing. And there was nothing. He's, he's back preaching now. He, it, he, what they did is he knew his heart must have not been in the right place. Because nothing was done that was sexual between the the two people. It was just he was communicating inappropriately with somebody that wasn't his wife. Because it wasn't his wife. It's not okay for that. In any shame. Now to shoot you a text to say, hey, there's a meeting tomorrow is one thing. But if I start communicating with women in the church, that's just weird. 
and shouldn't be happening, okay? That just shouldn't be something that you do because that's a dangerous place to, to be. And, and that's why uh, I like the way they discipled him. They, they, they had him step back. They had him do a sabbatical to work on his problems. And by the way, this, this man nearly died from brain cancer in his 30s and was told he would never preach again. And, and his story is amazing. And I was so disappointed when I heard this. I thought, wow, another person that, that you think you look up to as a pastor has failed. But the problem with that is you can start idolizing the speaker, not the word that he preaches anyway. So it, it brought some reality. It brings reality to you when, when people fail because everybody fails. And, and that's why as elders... Elders need to hold each other accountable, and the elders need to hold the church accountable, and everyone in here needs to hold us accountable, and we need to hold you accountable. And that's part of discipleship. You don't think when Jesus finds us doing something, he doesn't, want to, he, he doesn't use other people to help correct us and move us forward. And when that happens, guess what happens? Growth happens. And what is growth? Discipling. Becoming more like Christ, becoming more like Christ, becoming more like Christ. It's another part of fellowship, by the way. It's called doing life together. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, missions are about serving. But missionaries, serving missionaries, not about our image. This is where it can be. The reason I said that is because people can as churches can go, wow, look what I'm doing for the, and forget that we're serving missionaries. We are actually supplying a need to take the world out, the word out to people and brag because of what we're doing. Okay. I actually think we do a good job here. I think we can even step our game up, but I know that we give more than 10% out and you'll, if you come on Wednesday, you'll find out exactly how much because Russ will let us know. But we, we did a lot last year for a little bitty church. We, we, we did a lot as a church. So I don't think we fall short in this mission. But we have the, the main point here is, and I'm not going to stay on this point very long, is that we, rem- we have to remember that we're serving missionaries. We're not doing it because it helps our image. It makes us look better. We're doing it because missionaries are doing something that we cannot do because we're not willing to go where they are. So we want to help them do their job. We want to supply them with what they need. But let's remember that. So it's so easy to brag on what we do. I I can do that easily. I mean, I like to say how many boxes of of shoe boxes we sent out. I like to say, look how much we did for GFA. I think that's amazing. 
But we have to remember, so tone it down a little bit sometimes I have to, because we have to remember that we're just helping a need for the missionaries to do their job. Because we want more people to be in heaven. We want that image of tribes and tongues from every single nation in heaven and on earth. And finally, uh, Philippians 1, 12 through 18 says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ with envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So, you see, evangelism is teaching the gospel. So what I'm doing right now is is evangelism. With the aim to persuade, not force. See, do you know how I I could, you could become a Muslim by being threatened to become a Muslim. And you say, I'm going to be a Muslim. That's how, you can't become a a, a Christian that way. You have to personally accept him into your life. See, evangelism isn't about doing everything we can to get a person to make, is, isn't about doing everything we can to get a person to make a decision for Jesus. It's not us sharing our personal testimony. It's not pr- presenting a rational defense of our faith. I love apologetics, but, but evangelism is not apologetics. It, it, it's not our personal testimony. Now, they can all be used... It's not doing works of charity. So it's not serving people. That's not evangelism. Evangelism, so you know, is speaking the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for sinners of the world. You see, it's just like, I'm just another sinner Trying to tell, uh, just a sinner trying to tell another sinner about Jesus. That's what it is. But from Scripture. See, when we evangelize, there's three things that we should make clear. And, and this is why I said, I wasn't told, and this is why I said I get to that, back to that point. Decision is costly. If you actually take this decision real seriously, the decision is costly. Shall I, uh, uh, and, and, and must be carefully considered before you make it. Because when you, if you really want to accept Christ as your personal Savior, this one will tell you, the reason it's costly is because there's going to be people out there that you've been friends with for years that don't want to be your friend no more because you're, you're a, a killjoy Christian. There's going to be people that hate you because what you believe in. 
And I'm going to tell you this. If everybody likes you, you might not be living your faith out very well. If everybody likes you, you might be doing something wrong. Just a heads up. I say, we are to what, Jesus? Follow. Follow Jesus. So we are supposed to become more like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He, he, he carried a cross. He picked up his cross and bore his cross. So it's costly because when you say, hey, I'm done with my life the way it's living and I want to follow you, Jesus. I want all of you. I don't want a part of you. I don't want the bit that says, yes, grace saves me. I can go do whatever I want now. I don't even believe that, but, but that is taught a lot in the world. That you can just say the sinner's prayer and you're saved. I think there's more to it than that. And I think it's costly. Because you're going to have to have different viewpoints if you accept Christ. So you need to explain that when you, when I preach, I want to explain that it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. We've got to remember, Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, what we do is we accept Christ, we say we do, and then we are pushing the plow This is what the metaphor means. But we're looking back at our old life and we want to get back to our old life. And do you know what happens? The plow goes like this. Because we want to go back this way and be back in our old life. That's why we need to know that it's costly to follow Jesus. It doesn't cost us anything to accept him, but it costs us something to follow him. And that is the command that Jesus gives us. The decision is urgent. These are things that need to be expressed when we evangelize. That it's an urgent decision, so make it soon. Luke 20, 12, 20 says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The biggest question you can ask anybody is, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And finally, the decision is worth it. So you will want to make it. These are things that you need to persuade people. Not force people to do because you can't force Christianity on anybody. A lot of people tried with me. And it took a long time. And it wasn't because somebody hit me over the head with a hammer that I I became a Christian. It was because I was at the right place at the right time, heard the right message, and got accepted Christ. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. A life that is full. Not a life that you want, but a life that he wants for you. 
See, this is the message we as a church need to communicate. We need personal communication communicate, to personally communicate it to all of our family and friends. That is why I said, I believe in fellowship, but if we're doing church stuff all the time, guess what? We're not fellowshipping with people that need to be fellowshipped with that don't know Jesus, and we can't show them the love of Christ because we're not involved in non-Christians' lives because we've been so, like, we don't let anybody else in. We just want to stay in our safe pool of of Christian friends so we don't get infected with sin. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have people that don't believe in Christ so we can tell them about Christ. And this message of God's extreme love is what we need to communicate corporately as a whole church, meaning the way we live out God's good news as well as speak it. We need to leave here. That's why I like that video. At the end of the church, the church service on the video, before I start preaching, all the people are going out, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spread like COVID. That's what we're supposed to do. Spread like COVID. So, Conclusion. We are all valuable. There's not nobody that sits in this church that's not valuable to this church. Each one of us needs the other, so we all need to plug in. We all need to be a part and find our place and how we can build a better community of believers so we can be a better witness for God. And that's what a church is. You see, a church isn't the building, it's us. So let's be a church. So your homework is, I want you to think about five purposes. How are you doing in planting the five purposes of your church? You might be strong in some of these areas, but I'm sure there's some areas that could definitely need some work. You could definitely do better. See, worship, fellowship, discipleship, missions, evangelism. We need to do all of them well to represent King Jesus. And remember, we're strong because we're our family. And families work together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you're doing in this church. I just pray that you open our hearts and minds to communicate. To communicate your great love with the world. And for us to represent your kingdom well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.